the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It could have been Joy Behar. Yeah, Joy almost made it because of an unbelievably moronic thing that she said to the woman who actually beat her out for this week's award. And now, it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Oh, Sonny Hostin is a, uh, is a, she's a co-host on the dumbest show on American television, maybe the dumbest show in American television history, where four liberal women who know nothing about anything, uh, and a woman who pretends to be a conservative, spew stupidity every morning to a huge audience on ABC. That would be The View, and Sonny Hostin identifies as black, and she sees racists everywhere she looks, talks about it all the time. She's a big, big fan of reparations for slavery. Well, Sonny did some research into her family history and found out they were in the uh, slavery business. It was deeply disappointing, <laughs> and it's deeply disappointing because my mother really identified as Puerto Rican. She was part of the civil rights um, movement. And um, she was deeply ingrained in black culture um, and, and identified herself as black for race, but um, Hispanic for ethnicity. Okay. But her race is white. She's European. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. It's yeah. weird because when you look at her, my mother's blonde and she has light eyes and my whole family looks like that. So then, Sonny, how the does conquerors. this change you though? You mentioned your mom was upset and this was shocking and maybe deep down you kind of resisted it. How has this changed you knowing what you're hearing now? You know, I think at first I was deeply disappointed. Um, the I still, slave thing is a bummer. It's a bummer. And I still believe in reparations, like, by whoa. the way, so y'all can stop texting me and emailing me and saying that I'm a white girl and that I don't deserve reparations. That's, I still believe oh, that. Someone did that to yeah. I don't know who what? sent her a thing telling her she was a white girl. Okay, it's, it's, it's too much, people. But clean off your television screen. Yeah, it's, it's, that's a lot. So I, 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 I still believe in reparations. I still believe this country has a lot to do in terms of racial justice. Um, but what I will say, Sarah, to your question is that I feel that um, I'm enriched by knowing that history. Yeah. I, I'm enriched. And I'm enriched by knowing that my family has come so far from being enslavers to my mother marrying my father in 1968. Well, yeah, that's yeah. right. I feel enriched. Right. You're not responsible for what they did. Did you hear that moronic comment from Joy, Joy Behar at the end? You're not responsible for what they did. This is what she says to a woman who just said she wants white people to pay reparations for what their ancestors did. It's be moronic beyond belief, but Joy could be Jerk of the Week every week, but... Uh, and we could have given it to her this week, but we didn't. Sonny Hostin is this week's AM 1250 Jerk of the Week. 
And when we come back, the only guy I wanted to talk to after watching the media's reaction to Joe Biden's pathetic performance last night and Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin. That would be Jeffrey McCall. And in our second half hour, how Fanny Gate down in Georgia qualifies as the perfect American scandal. Stick around. Well, by now, just about everybody on the planet uh, has seen Joe Biden, at least anybody who has a TV, has seen uh, Joe Biden prove that he shouldn't be trusted as a crossing guard, much less uh, be trusted to be president of the United States. Uh, The media came after him pretty hard last night in a press conference, and lots of media are defending him now. Who better to bring on to talk about that than Jeffrey McCall, professor of communications at DePaul University and media critic for The Hill. Jeff, good to have you on again. Thank you, John. So I, um, I don't like to um, abuse your willingness to come on the show by having you on too often and, uh, and bothering you, but uh, I had the – I just well, – you were on just last week, but still, um, I, I just couldn't think of anybody I'd rather talk to about this than you. So um, uh, the media, including people from friendly outlets like uh, CNN, came after Biden pretty hard last night in that, uh, in that press conference. Did they really have any choice? By the way, it's never a bother to chat with you and your listeners. Oh, good. But it was kind of surprising at at a certain point to see members of the establishment media calling out questions and trying to ask challenging questions of Biden, because I've got to say that I really think that during Biden's campaign several years ago and, of course, during his presidency, the media has pretty much been soft on him and given him a, a very easy path to, con- to to continue to be president without ever having to face challenging questions uh, or enterprising stories or whatnot. So, I mean, they've, they've given him a pretty easy ride so far, but it was surprising to see in that press conference yesterday that they were shouting questions and trying to hold him account. I mean, I must say, though, if they hadn't, it would have been totally transparent that they were covering for him, which that they try to keep under wraps to a large extent. But And, you know, when you think about the special counsel's report that came out yesterday, it's pretty damning of Biden and, and in some ways, his administration. Uh, and, you know, the fact that they decided not to press charges because he, they thought he was too feeble and had no memory. Uh, and then that, that the White House handlers thought, hey, that's a good excuse to come out and do a press conference and to prove that he's too feeble and has no memory uh, was really kind of confusing. So, you know, the White House was trying to control the narrative but the narrative they were pushing is, hey, look, we didn't get charged because the special counsel knows we're not up to it. And yeah. I just find that very confusing. Yeah, and um, that's one thing. But I was anxious to see how the rest of the media would uh, would react to their friends in the media and their treatment of Biden. Well, MSNBC had a panel with uh, Rachel Maddow. They actually criticized the special counsel, Robert Herr, for reporting what he observed about Biden. That's all he did. Well, and you know, what's interesting is the reporters at the press briefing last night were asking aggressive questions. But since that has happened uh, on the talk shows and, you know, the, the, the MSNBC style panels, they've been trying to backtrack and trying to make it look, uh, you know, better than it really was. And I mean, I, I watched the press briefing last night I must say, I think the White House handlers really handled this badly because normally when Biden, on the rare occasions he has a press briefing, 
he has certain people he calls on in a particular order, and to put him in front of a crowd where they're all shouting at the same time, it would honestly, uh, to be kind to Biden, it would be hard for anybody to try to pick up like what's the question you want to answer, who should I call on next, whatever. But for the White House handlers to put him out into that chaotic situation was a r- real misstep on their part uh, and a real foul ball. And I'm not sure why they did that, except I'm, I'm sure they felt compelled that once that report came out, that they had to say something and put Biden out there. But they put him out there, uh, and he gets angry. Uh, he confuses the president of Mexico with the president you know, of Egypt. And, you know, a lot of his other answers were just not that on target. And I'm just thinking, you know, he almost went out there and proved for a national audience what the special counsel's report was asserting. Yeah, and uh, 8 o'clock is not a good time for him. Well, yeah, and, and um, that's why he seldom does anything in the evening. Yep. And, in fact, a lot of times they call a lid at the White House, you know, by noon or mm-hmm. early afternoon. So yep. I'm not sure, you know, what their strategy was. I'm sure they didn't want to go another whole news cycle uh, without having some sort of you know information out there. But I'm thinking th- there are other ways they could have handled that. I mean, issue a press release or have his chief of staff come out or Corrine Jean-Pierre, she's the one who takes the bullets all the time. But I'm just not sure that putting him out there in that situation served their purposes. And, in fact, if anything, it might have hurt their purposes. But it was interesting to see the media go after him in that press conference, but then also interesting to see the establishment media then trying to backtrack and cover and make it look like not so bad uh, since then. And I've also been interested to see how much the media has kept saying, like, well, they're not pressing charges against Biden. But, you know, look at Trump. You know, he's still terrible. He's still bad. They're pressing charges against him. And I don't think anybody understands that if you're violating all the statutes that deal with confidential national security information, you should be charged whether you're old and feeble or not. Yeah, and um, I actually, they, I saw a discussion on MSNBC. Um, I don't know if I saw it live or saw a clip of it, but um, they were talking. They were trying to um, diminish uh, Joe Biden's age issue, and 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 that trying to talk about it like it, you know it doesn't really matter. He he's old, but he can't do anything about being old, and. And he's not as old as they, he's not as old and, and feeble as they make him out to be. And Rachel Maddow actually threw in there at the end. He rides a bike. Well, <laughs> he what, did, have you seen the video of him riding a bike? What did he do? He fell. Well, what a year or two ago he did to- topple over. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing is, we don't know how often he's riding a bike. Right. And when he does ride a bike, I'm sure that's just for the optics and mm-hmm. that. Sure. It's just to try, try to, you know, cr- create a rhetorical impression that this guy is robust. And the thing is, you know, even when they can get him on a bike and to keep him upright uh, or have him, like, try to trot across the stage or whatnot, there are just too many other times when he shows his age. And, again, I'm not trying to criticize him because he's a senior citizen. I'm a senior citizen as well. Mm-hmm. But the, the issue is whether or not he's up to the task. And the special counsel report clearly says this is a guy who has trouble remembering things. This is a guy who's too feeble uh, and, and is not even up to the task of being able to be put on trial. And I mean, I'm thinking that's the thing is we, they, the, the special counsel's report says 
yeah, he mishandled these documents and should be charged, but, you know, we think he's too old to have to go through the trial process. Uh, I'm just not sure that that's a healthy look. And my guess is somewhere Republican strategists are trying to figure out how they can exploit that report without coming off looking like they're too callous. Mm -hmm. Well, it's one thing for the Republicans to try to exploit it, which they are going to do however they can, and as uh, maybe as borderline ruthlessly as they can. As you said, they might have to couch it a little bit or, or, or pull back a little bit. But, Jeff, what should... Should just from a journalistic standpoint and what the media should do here, now that the story is out that a supposedly unbiased person who was brought in to do an investigation has come out and said that Joe Biden is not mentally, um, so not 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 cognitive enough to be able to uh, handle the trial, shouldn't the media? A reaction to be be if it were if it were not so biased to just swarm all over and try to find more examples of that and and or or make the Democrats somehow refute it and do you expect them to do that I guess is the question. Well, again, I I don't expect them to get very tough on him, but I must say this: one thing I would do today, you know, just less than twenty four hours after his press conference yesterday, is I think the the media, all of them establishment or even right-leaning media should all go back through everything he said during that press conference and go back and try to determine what parts of what he said were accurate even last night. Mm -hmm. Because you know they prepped him before he went out to see the press. They prepped him, I'm sure, to say, say this, don't say that, whatever. But he went out there and was saying, and he, he denied that he had shared documents with a third party. And it's clear from the special counsel's report that he had shared the documents with a third party, his ghostwriter at least, maybe other people. And he also was claiming that the documents were all secure. I'm thinking, well, they're not secure if they're in a cardboard box in a garage, for crying out loud. And so I think that's one thing they could do today is go back to everything he said last night and hold it up to the special counsel's report to determine what he was saying last night to try to still put a healthy spin on things that was contrary to what now has been put in evidence in a special counsel's report, which should have more credibility than what some guy who's trying to protect his backside on national TV is saying. Has it reached the point that, that only super bias and uh, super partisanship could explain continuing to, to downplay his condition? And if, if not, what will it take? If, that's, if, if, if the way he looked last night, and for that matter, the way he's looked in the last week, some of the stupid things he said. Um, well, yeah, he, talking about that he was in conversation in recent years with people who've been dead for a long time. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, that That's a real problem. So, uh, you know, at a certain point, I, I honestly, I think for the national audience, for citizens and people who listen to your show, I think it's baked in now that they know that he's not up to the task. Mm -hmm. And I think most people understand that for whatever reasons, age-related or cognitive decline or whatever, that this is a guy who is really probably not in charge of the day-to-day -day actions of the presidency and not up certainly to another four years. And I think the biggest question the media has and citizens have is, are you okay with having a person just as a stand-in, so to speak, kind of a ceremonial president who's a Democrat, or you want to have to consider the alternative, uh, which presumably is Trump, although we, who knows, we've got a long way to get long to November. Way. Yeah. 
but uh, we'll see. But I think that's the question. Are people happy, including the media and the citizenry, with the 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 uh, the obvious evidence that this is a person uh, who is not really in charge? And 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 one other thing I wish the media would do is do more investigative reporting to find out who really is in charge. Because the other day when they were talking about, well, President Biden ordered airstrikes on terrorist targets in Iraq, I'm thinking, I just I just have a hard time believing he's sitting in a situation room saying, I order that we take out these missile sites and stuff like that. Um, you know, when he has trouble, you know, answering questions right. from the press and uh, even engaging in interviews, you know, with regular members of the media. And I just think that that's a hard that's a hard bridge to cross. You know what I was thinking about today? Um, I can't remember. I think it was Hillary Clinton, but it was a couple of presidential elections ago. And somebody decided to go with the theme of who would you want to answer that call at three o'clock in the morning? And yeah. I, I was it Hillary who had that, and it was her yeah. against Trump. Sounds I, familiar against Trump. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, what about bringing that ad out again? What, what's the answer to that question? Would you want this guy? Can you imagine waking this guy up at three o'clock in the morning? He won't know what day, what where he is. Well, and, and that, that's kind of supporting my point is that he's not taking a call at three o'clock in the right, morning. Right. And, you know, the question is, who would take that call? Would it be Jill? Would it be the chief of staff? Would it be Anthony Blinken? Who yeah. takes that call? And that's the issue is the, the American people don't know. Oh, I think and that we would probably, be... we, we probably should know. I think that would be a good question from the media, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, that'd be I, funny I, if somebody asked that. Uh, you know, President a couple Biden. years ago, Hillary said she'd be great to wake up. You know, she's the person you want answering the phone at 3 o'clock in the morning. Got any yeah, evidence to support Joe answering the phone then? Yeah, ask President Biden at the next press opportunity or in the next gaggle outside of Marine One. Yeah. If there's a national emergency at 3 a.m., should we call you? Let's see what he says. <laughs> hey, uh, i got a couple minutes left here with Jeff McCall, professor of communications at DePaul University. Um uh, I've noticed a strange lack of interest in Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin. Uh, I, no mention of it at all at foxnews.com. Not mentioned. Uh, criticism, criticism of it only on CNN and MSNBC's websites. I don't know if you saw any, saw these networks, uh, if you've seen anybody mention it uh, on the air. I haven't on Fox. Have you seen it anywhere else? No, uh, there's been very little establishment media coverage, and I would include Fox News in that category at this point. I think the Fox News thing is probably personal based on the fact that he once worked there and got elbowed out, that they're not going to do anything to raise his profile or give him any credibility. The other media outlets are just opposed to Tucker Carlson because they think he's, uh, you know, a right wing extremist or mm-hmm. a, a treason uh, yeah, a traitor, journalist yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a problem there. But the sad thing here is I think when a journalist gets a chance to talk to Putin, that 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 is news. And, you know, they talk about issues that are important and important, including the American journalist who's being held in prison unfairly. Yeah. They talked about the Ukraine war. They talked about the pipeline that was blown up in the North Sea. They talked about a lot of different things that would be newsworthy in, in any other context. And, and believe you me, if NBC's Lester Holt or ABC's David Muir had been able to coordinate an interview with Vladimir Putin, it would have been great enterprising journalism, and they would have promoted it all across, you know, their platforms. 
and made a big deal about it. But that is Tucker Carlson, and he's, you know, delivering this uh, communication through alternative means and not the mainstream media. Uh, They don't want to touch it, which is sad because uh, what Putin said is still newsworthy, even if you agree that he is uh, a, a, a despotic dictator. What he thinks still makes news because he's still a player on the national on the international stage. And I only have less than a minute here, but uh, how do you not run sound bites of Putin? You can run multiple sound bites of Putin. The only thing you really have to do is mention T- Tucker Carlson's name. Nobody has to see him. They won't even do that. Oh no, he, he's poison in the eyes of the mainstream media. Uh, but it is interesting to see that it does seem to be getting a lot of traction around social media. So I think there is an interest amongst, you know, news consumers around the country that they're interested in what Putin has to say and what Tucker Carlson was able to, to do as an entrepreneur, you know, an enterprising journalist. And, and I think it's worthy, wor- worth noting that whether you like Putin or not, and again, I, I, I wouldn't suggest people should look at him as a, you know, a, a positive figure, but what he thinks matters on the international stage. I mean, he, he's the guy who could stop the war in Ukraine. He's the guy who could make things much more difficult for us. And it's interesting to see how he observes the world scene. And we should know what uh, kind of our international enemies, our nemesis, are thinking. Kind of the purpose of the interview. Uh, And uh, Tucker Carlson has 100 million impressions the last I looked on this interview up on uh, Twitter. But I'm. uh, Which which shows what I said that the public's interested, even if the media are not. Yep. Hey, Jeff, always good. Uh, Two weeks in a row. Maybe we'll make it three. I don't know. See what happens. I look forward to it. (laughs) All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Bye. All right, that's Jeffrey McCall of DePaul University, and I will be right back. Well, you know what's uh, been kind of lost in the shuffle with all the insanity going on in Washington? Fanny Gate. Maybe you've forgotten about Fanny Willis, the woman who brought charges against Donald Trump for messing with Georgia's election. But it is a major scandal, and it may be a little under the radar right now, but it's not going away. Charles Lipson is Professor Emeritus of Political Science at the University of Chicago, and he joins us now. Charles, thanks for being here. Ah, delighted. So um, this is a big deal because it could affect the 2024 election, obviously, but uh, you've broken down why it also qualifies as a major American scandal, and I I guess it begins with sex. Well, doesn't it always? As we get ready for the weekend, why don't we start emphasizing sex, money, and uh, power? Yeah, why not? Yeah, thanks, John. Uh, All really first-rate American scandals uh, involve sex, money, and abuse of power. If the power is high enough, as in the case of Richard Nixon, uh, then... um, then you can get rid of the uh, sex and money, and it just becomes abuse of power. But for the most part, um, when uh, um, uh, John Edwards went down on his presidential campaign, when uh, Wilbur Mills, uh, drunk, ran into uh, the uh, Washington Tidal Basin after the woman in his car, whose name was also Fanny. (laughs) Uh, She was a stripper, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to take your word for that, John. Yeah. <laughs> it's what I remember. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, but the fact that you have all of these going on, you really do. I mean, uh, kidding aside, th- this is uh, really 
uh, a major mess. And I would say Donald Trump is extremely fortunate in the people who have chosen to go after him. Yeah, and um, I mean, all these things are tied together, kind of, the sex, uh, the money. Uh, Do you want to go with the second ingredient as money here? Yeah. um, First of all, the, the reason this case is a particular problem for Donald Trump is not only that it is uh, goes to the heart of the case that he tried to uh, overturn uh, an election, but that because it is in Georgia, it is a state case. It's not a federal case. And that means that a newly elected president, if Trump were to be elected, cannot pardon himself. Uh, uh, the current Georgia law doesn't even allow the uh, Republican governor to pardon um someone until they've been convicted and served five years. Of course, the legislature will be under a lot of pressure to change that. Going back to the money issue, um, the key point here is that Fannie Willis, who is the DA for Fulton County, which is uh, Atlanta, uh, decided to hire uh, some outside attorneys to help her prosecute this complex case, which involves which is a, a, a racketeering and organized crime case is how they brought it uh, against a whole lot of defendants, and the key one being Trump. Uh, and the main person she hired and is paid over $650,000 turns out to be her boyfriend with no experience in prosecuting these kinds of cases. And the second big problem, which goes to potential abuse of power, is that this guy, whose name is Nathan Wade, uh, billed Fannie Willis's office for eight hours of meetings at the White House. And the White House has claimed, as they should, that they would never interfere with the prosecution because it would be political interference. So there's a lot of problems here, my friend. Yeah, you would think that uh, someone who's reached the... Um, the- the position of power that Fannie Willis has reached, and when you have that kind of a job, you have a lot of advisors, you have staff. You think somebody might have said to her, you know, are you sure you want to hire this guy who basically has uh, prosecuted drunk drivers uh, for the last few years? You you want to you want you sure you want to do this? You want to hire him to be in charge of this? How does right. that? How and does she that get did by? Hire. What's yeah, that? she did hire an actual RICO expert, but he's only done a very little bit of work for her. Yeah, and, but uh, what's his name? Wade, he's gotten $650,000 to his firm. And as you point out in your story at Real Clear Politics, um, the the two RICO experts combined got less than 100000 This is absolutely right. Uh, she apparently runs her office as a little uh, dictator who gets very angry at all the people under her. Mm -hmm. And it would always be hard um, uh, to say to your boss, I think it's a bad idea to hire your boyfriend. (laughs) But when the boss is one of those people who just runs the place like a little dictatorship, you can get fired for doing that. Well, Uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. It's just... the stuff is coming out because Nathan Wade was married at the time, and 
used the money. He didn't use public money, but he used the money that he earned from Fannie Willis's appointment of him to go on these trips with her, uh, uh, including a, a Caribbean cruise, including a trip to the West Coast. And we have bills for all of that. Um, uh, on his credit card because he was still married and his wife has access to the credit card. She's also claiming that he hid all this income from her, that she didn't have any money. Uh, so this is coming out during uh, part of it during the divorce case. Uh, and, um, but now the judge in charge of the RICO case has a, ha, has a hearing scheduled for six days from now, the 15th, uh, assuming he goes through with it, in which uh, one of the RICO defendants, Mike Roman, and his uh, attorney, Ashley Merchant, have uh, subpoenaed a lot of the people from Willis's office to explain exactly what was going on here, because uh, at the very least, they would like to have the case transferred out of Atlanta, virtually any uh, outlying area in the state would be more favorable to them. They would like to get um, Willis's whole office thrown off, and in the best of all possible worlds, they'd like to have the whole case thrown out as being uh, too uh, too corrupted by all of this activity. That that's unlikely, but it's not impossible. Yeah, there's also um, the factor of. Getting the trial delayed beyond the uh, until after the election. That's right, and in fact, it's, it's worth uh, another of the cases, the Jack Smith case, which is about uh, the documents in Florida. Yeah, he he was making the argument that he needed to try it before the election. Well, that's just straightforward political interference. Uh, the Supreme Court didn't take him up on that. Uh, but they, uh, I think that the people who are going after Trump really do want uh, at least one criminal conviction before the election. Yeah, and I, I just want to you, – you had the factors of uh, sex, power, and money, the three legs. Mm-hmm. Um, does marital infidelity come under the heading of sex? <laughs> because uh, that's <clears> – <throat> is that an added yeah. uh, little – uh, yeah, I think it's an added bonus because it ties in with the fact that she hired him. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying this would somehow be inappropriate, remember she didn't just hire her boyfriend. She hired. She claims, by the way, that he wasn't her boyfriend when she hired him. Only afterwards. Yeah, and she's on tape uh, earlier when she ran for office saying she would never have any kind of relationships like this with people who worked for her yeah uh, of course but uh but uh the, the the fact is he she not only hired him paid him a lot of money went on trips with him uh but he's not in any sense a person who is an expert in this field he was a traffic judge essentially locally uh, handle fender benders and that sort of thing. And now this is the most important case any district attorney for Atlanta has ever brought in the history of that office. And she's hired somebody who's just not qualified to do it, and that raises big questions. Why did she do that? And 
it raises the obvious question of how she personally benefited from it, yeah. uh, which is these trips and the like. But, and that stuff, it, it, it's pretty obvious that she really wants to get Trump. That's the purpose of the of the uh, prosecution in the first place. But you, it, it's become pretty obvious that the money and hanging around with the boyfriend became more important than removing the president of the United States, which she would like to have you believe is something that really needs to be done for the sake of the country. Yeah, and it, that is absolutely right. And it is also the case that just like um, uh, Alvin Bragg in New York and Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, she ran on a platform of getting him, mm-hmm. which raises questions about bias. And I think, by the way, this question about bias is going to come up in the documents case in Florida, because the decision not to charge Joe Biden for all these documents not only held for many years, but held knowingly and shared with other people is going to raise a question if Jack Smith charges Trump. Now, there's a difference in the case. They can charge Trump with lying, in effect, to uh, federal investigators or having his people lie to them, which is obstruction of justice. So that's a different issue. But the fact is, a lot of Americans think that, uh, that the whole judicial system, short of the Supreme Court, is out to get Donald Trump. And, uh, and the question of bias is just going to come up all the time. Well, Fannie played the rest car, uh, race card, too. Uh, how, how could that backfire on her? Well, uh, that's, that's a very interesting point. Um, she, when she never, uh, against all of these things that were being accused, she never said anything until last week. But in the, the one thing she did do was go to a major black church in Atlanta and make a speech. And that speech uh, was essentially a racially incendiary speech. She says, I've done nothing wrong. Uh, she misleadingly said, I paid everybody the same, <laughs> whereas one person got over half a million dollars and the others got far, far less. And then she said, uh, and the one person they're attacking is the only black man I hired. Well, uh, maybe there was another reason he was attacked all the reasons that you and I have just discussed. And then she explicitly said, oh, they're going to say you're playing the race card. But I'm not. And then that's all, in effect, she did. Her defense before a black audience was, they're coming after me and they're coming after Nathan Wade because we're black. The problem that presents beyond the uh, dishonesty is that all the uh, uh, defendants in the trial can say, look, she poisoned the jury pool. How can you have uh, black members of the jury uh, deciding this case after she's made it a race case? Um, It it has nothing to do with race. It's supposedly a case about trying to, uh, to fix the election in Georgia. Uh, so I think that they've got a, an independent case there to um, uh, to move the trial at, at the very least out of it, out of the Atlanta area on the grounds uh, of racial incendiary comments. So I think it's a big problem.
We're talking to Charles Lipson. He's Professor Emeritus of Political Science at the University of Chicago. You can find his piece at realclearpolitics.com. Um, so uh, is, is there uh, – I'm just wondering, can, can the fact that um, Wade went to the White House and spoke with the Biden Justice Department and was paid for eight hours of work and a pretty good buck – does that get the does that give the federal judiciary uh, an opening get in to get involved in the case? I'm not sure. Uh, let me just say that all, Nathan Wade started work on the case before he had been approved to start work. And the first day of the case, he seems to have built 24 full hours uh, of work in one day. So I'm not hard going worker. to. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he, he never sleeps, uh, <laughs> except with the person who hired him. Yeah. The, uh, the real pro- the, the, that billing raises a question of whether he really did meet at the White House. You know, I mean, you think he, he made it up? The, who knows? Mm-hmm. He's going to have to. Somebody's going to have to show he either he's in trouble either way, right? It's a, it, if he didn't have the meeting, it's fraud. Okay. You know, it's financial yeah. fraud. It's and she felony. paid she paid him for it, right? If he did meet, we need to know everything about that meeting. We need to know. He says, and their only defense for it is it was a scheduling issue. There are several cases against Biden. And they want to schedule them. You can do that by email. You can do that with a quick phone call or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why you need eight hours of meeting? Who met with him? Who initiated the meetings? Uh, were there additional phone calls and email messages? All of this needs to be discovered and under oath. Uh, most of it is not a federal. Well, the White House's involvement could give House oversight. Uh, some leverage on this. Uh, but for the most part, this is a state issue. And uh, both the state Senate and the state House in Georgia are now looking into this. Well, that's good. We'll see where this goes. It's got all the ingredients, and it's uh, not done yet, not even close. Charles, uh, I always uh, appreciate having you on. Thanks for coming on again. I, and hope to talk to you soon. John, it's a great pleasure to talk with you. And uh, to uh, be heard by the people in Pittsburgh. All right. that's uh, Thanks, Charles. That's Charles Lipson, uh, Professor Emeritus of Political Science at the University of Chicago, and we'll be right back. Pretty big football game coming up on Sunday. Why not finish the week off with a little sports talk here? Um, uh, I have no, I really haven't paid a lot of attention or at least tried to come up with any kind of analysis on who I think is going to win. Not that it would be worth anything, but, uh, so I, it's not really that, 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 um, I'm concerned with, but, uh, I just as a, some personal, personal experiences covering the Super Bowl, um, people were surprised. I, I covered the, the last, uh, Pirates trip to the World Series and it may be their last trip too, uh, 1979. And I, I covered it in between Super Bowl thirteen and Super Bowl fourteen. So I had the experience of covering a World Series and two Super Bowls within like thirteen months. So I got a obviously I had a, uh, a, a it was a very good way to um, evaluate what it was like 
covering those events and which one I liked better. And people were always surprised when I said I had much more fun and I enjoyed the World Series much more than the Super Bowls. And the reason is simple for me. You know, the, the, uh, the 49ers and the Chiefs advanced to this game two weeks ago, which means we've been talking, of, not we, but everybody else in the, in the sports media anyway, and, and more than that, have been talking about the game for two weeks. Now, if you cover a World Series, you cover game one, maybe on a Tuesday night, guess what you do Wednesday? Instead of going and doing interviews, you cover game two. Then on Thursday, you cover game three. Then you take a day off and you go to the next town, you cover game four and then game five. Same thing with the hockey playoffs. So given the choice, it's not even close from a a coverage standpoint of what you'd rather do. Go uh, like a a herd of cattle into the stadium with 4,000 other media people to to sit there and listen to interviews for two, you know, after we've already talked about it for a week and a half. You can have that. I'll take the Stanley Cup final and the World Series. We may see another Stanley Cup final. I won't be covering it, and I don't think we're ever going to see the Pirates in the World Series again, at least before I die, and, you know, I'm not that young. But I'll talk to you on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.